Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Pretty decent serving of corporate results today. Got beats from GM, GE, Pepsi, McDonald's, Raytheon, but it's First Republic's results last night still weighing on sentiment and the two years down to 403. Our roadmap begins with that blue chip earnings parade. All the names we mentioned, including UPS, McDonald's, all crossing the tape. McDonald's CEO will join us exclusively in the next hour. Plus, shares of First Republic Bank are tumbling yet again. The regional bank saying deposits dropped 40% in the quarter. They do say they've since stabilized, but we're going to dig deeper into that. And Dow delivering a quarterly beat. Shares, though, slipping as there was a volume decline. CEO Jim Fitterling will join us in a few minutes to talk about the quarter. Let's begin with the busy earnings parade, as we mentioned, Jim. You, you highlighted uh, GE, GM, and Pepsi uh, yeah. in this talk. Look, I think sometimes you just have these standout quarters. I mean, GM, when you saw their beat, it was a clear beat, and it was just on demand. And what I'm focused on, and David, I think you can comment on these too, because this is really the crux of what we talked to Dow. Yeah. Demand, this is an economics class today. The demand for GM, for their internal combustion engines, was quite strong. And that's how you get the stock doing okay. PepsiCo, look, they were able to raise price and like Coca-Cola, it didn't really matter. They sold a lot, particularly in snacks. Uh, I look at GE, though, and I think to myself, it's so back, it's incredible. Uh, he, he did it. David, he did it. And he did it in a way that you really want, which is that aerospace was strong, but that power and renewables will be good next year. For the first time, I felt like I wanted to own It, it is, you know, you, you get so accustomed to not believing in a way, right? That when there finally is a reason to believe, you still doubt yourself. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Um, and, and so, I mean, the stock now is sporting a very high multiple, but it seems to be perhaps deserved given the growth rate that they've got going at GE now, Jim. But it, again, and you say it and you're like, really? Can well, that really be? Well, Raytheon Technologies, they did have terrific commercial. Yeah. And so I know that that's, that's fine. I mean, Carl, I, I think what David's saying, and I feel the same way, which is that we've come to look at GE as a company that reports its earnings kind of crazily each time. It looks different. Looks yes, different. Yes. This looked like what Raytheon looked like. I mean, it, it looked like an industrial, and it made me feel like it's it's not that it's just, that it's back because it's clearly back, but that it's a kind of high class, high growth industrial that people should like. Except for they started liking it. 60. <laughs> right. Uh, first positive free cash flow for a Q1 first, right. in yeah, about time. 10 years as they raise uh, both adjusted EPS and the free cash flow down. Uh, it's GM and GE are great stories today because this is a story of storied companies doing well, uh, but still having supply chain problems in the case of GE, uh, still having what I would regard with Raytheon, uh, less supply chain, but more wage issues. This is what happened with the airlines, by the way, yesterday. Uh, I think that if I were, people are asking, what would you do if you were the Fed? And the answer is, you don't feel any... You don't feel great. Uh, you see companies having to raise price again. You, you talk to PepsiCo. They're not see. I thought PepsiCo was going to see in the second half, like Coca-Cola, a moderation of price increase, a moderation of their costs. No, definitely not. And that, um, that's worrisome. At the same time, uh, there's always a UPS. You mentioned Verizon. There's Packaging Corp last night. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, I hesitate on UPS. Uh, you know, I mean, I've not been a a big fan of the company lately, which is not, I'm just you know, looking at the stock. I don't have any great insight, except for the fact that Federal Express 
You Superman. believe Federal Express Super is, uh, to, to use a term of art, just getting, their, getting it together. You think FedEx is... It, that's a new one. G, G <laughs> I... Uh, so Bradyman's taking out $5 billion in costs. Right. And now the fact that there were $5 billion in costs... Yeah, it's not exactly. It's kind of an indictment of, uh, of management. Well, I was more thinking of it uh, uh, that I can draw a conclusion that it, that it was not as good as I thought. Okay. But that, look, Fred Smith created a moat. You can't go against them. And that's why I want to buy FedEx into the UPS weakness. How about that? How about that? So it was a momentum shifting in some way? Well, I think that FedEx has so much earnings to gain. The leverage there. It's very, very big. That's what you're playing the leverage. UPS did guide lower revenues. They made me feel like e-commerce is, is not going to be great in a week when we better hope that e-commerce is great because we got a lot of it later on. Uh, meantime, if you're looking for economic bellwethers, I mean, 3M used to be thought of in those terms. They're going to cut 6,000 jobs. They're going to focus on auto electrification and home improvement. Um, that's... <laughs> You know, that's an eye-opener. Some management changes in there, too. Uh, 6,000 people laid off in 3M. The healthcare division, it, healthcare division is good. Uh, what I'm most concerned about with 3M is was not really covered, which is these lawsuits. The combat arms, combat the, sold, arms. the vets are, are fighting exactly, exactly what the uh, people are fighting uh, when it comes to J&J. Right. Yeah. I mean, you still got PFAS, too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, PFAS, which is just that sticky. When I, I, by the way, I'm J&J doesn't have combat arms problem. I'm saying... No, no, no. J&J right, has the talc okay, issue. Right. I just didn't want... Someone might say, what is he talking about? They uh, also yeah. made earplugs? But you're talking about the earplugs that 3M made, that they're... This right. A very large lawsuit. Right. But what I like about, about 3M... About loss of hearing. Look, look, Mike Rome is not in denial. He knows he's got to do something here. And that's important. It's very important. He hasn't joined us in a while. There was a period where he was frequent guest. I think he'll from. come back. Yeah. I do. I, I do think that they need to have... All these uh, the companies that face these giant class actions have to have some method to be able to make it so that they can uh, put a pool of capital in and then pay off the plaintiffs without these endless lawsuits. Both uh, 3M is trying and J&J is trying. And so far, the courts are, are kind of neutral on it. Neutral is the way I put it. Um, Verizon, another one that you could also argue is at least reflective sort of of the consumer economy. After AT&T's terrible quarter. Uh, reported last week where there were free cash flow and free uh, was below at least what analysts had anticipated. A lot of focus on this. You know, uh, what can I take? Consumer postpaid phone losses seem to be sort of in line with a lot of what the analysts were looking for. They lost 127,000 postpaid phones. Uh, 263,000 were consumer. That was offset in part, though, by adding business lines. Um, Free cash flow actually was okay, Yes, but there's a question as to the timing there, but it was better than expected, better working capital, maybe timing of device payments a bit different, uh, but they did reiterate their guidance as well for, for 2023. But, no, you know, not a great quarter, but not, not any worse than feared. So. No, but you didn't have that situation like you had with ATT where they said, listen, as we said, well, we uh, did a billion in cash flow, and no, I mean, Street was looking for $3 billion, for which three billion. is why... AT&T is still sticking with their $16 billion roughly uh, free cash flow guidance for the year. Hans Vestberg was a guest. He's the CEO of Verizon. He was a guest on Squawk Box earlier this morning. Here's what he had to say about the quarter. It's a little bit light because we had less hardware sales. What's more important for us is the service revenue because that's what is really creating our margin and the flow through and the cash flow that we had, the good cash flow we had in the quarter. We have seen a good momentum. The first quarter on the consumer side, we had the gross ads increasing with 11% year over year. 
So there you have it in terms of that. But, but, but wireless yeah. service revenue was 18.9 billion. People were looking for 19 billion. So, I mean, Hans comes on, all right, and tells you again, like ATT, it's what you expected. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, most of these guys, if you talk to Mike Rome, okay, he'll say, listen, we had to lay off people. Why? Because we're not doing as well in some of these divisions. These wireless, com- the wireless companies, it's always good for them. It's not what the street's looking for. I just want people to understand there's that CEOs can say that things are what people are looking for. But then immediate pushback from Key, which has very good coverage, saying, listen, it wasn't the number. ATT, it was not the number. Now people are very worried about the dividend again. They are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not a first republic. I mean, I'm not going uh, well, to. No. That is no. the question. How do first all of these- It's another... Yeah. Whoa. How how do all of the upside uh, results that we got, and we'll get to more, uh, compete with the, that deposit flow last night? Well, no no bank has ever survived uh, losing more than half of its deposits, none in history. Okay, so we've got that. I think the question here, David, is simply and you know, simply how much is going to be lost by the banks. Well, I don't know that anything's going to be lost but the $30 billion of deposits that were made Not by the clear. banks. Might be a haircut. It, I don't know that that will be the case. I, I, I don't know, Jim. What I can tell you right now is the next few days for First Republic are going to be crucial, uh, given the loss of deposits. And by the way, the fact that they did not include the $30 billion coming in in their overall, so you really, they did lose $100 billion, not $70 billion in deposits. And I'm glad you said and that. A lot of people Again, can read confusing. through that, and then they wonder, well, why aren't you being fully transparent with us? And that actually raises more questions than it answers. But let me tell you what, at least as my understanding, is going on right now in terms of First Republic. There have been efforts made on, over the last few weeks. There continue to be many conversations, is my understanding, both White House and Treasury, uh, and Fed in terms of what should happen here. What plan is there to potentially do what they would call an open bank scenario? In other words, a way to rescue the bank without it going into FDI receivership. That remains unclear. Right. One plan, one key plan would be to create some sort of special purpose vehicle where you get these same banks that were part of the consortium that put the deposits in, remember, roughly a month or so ago, that $30 billion, and you would get them to buy many of the bad loans on or the underwater loans on First Republic's balance sheet uh, above where they'd be marked. So you'd be paying a premium for them, perhaps below where they were made, but above where they'd be marked. Take them off. Maybe you get some warrants preferred to those banks as well. And then the bank is able to go out and raise new equity. And I'm told it could do that were it to do the first part of that. And then maybe it is in a position to become a profitable bank again. Remember, right now, given what it's paying for its deposit base as it currently stands, and given where its loan uh, portfolio is, it's in no position to do much of anything. Meanwhile, it continues to lose wealth advisors, for example, who are leaving for other banks as their clients say, I don't want you there. Move. So time is of the essence yet again, given this report from First Republic. The question is, what will happen? Will Treasury put real pressure on these banks, Jim, to step up in some way, whether it is the plan I just uh, uh, shared to a certain extent, to buy the loans at a premium to where their value would be in the market and therefore sort of free up space in the balance sheet for a reequitization. Would it be forcing them to say, hey, take $15 billion of the deposits you put out and put it back in as an equity investment? Yes. I don't know, actually, that that, that would happen. But the question also is, why would they do it? Why would any of these banks feel the need to actually do something here? There is not a belief as, as it currently stands, as I understand it, in the government and in the Fed, that this is a systemic risk should this bank go into receivership. I totally agree with you, but let me ask you a question. 
wouldn't these banks have to pay for it anyway with the FDIC? And that is another, that is the uh, counter argument is you're going you're gonna to get assessments that are gonna, uh, going to actually result in you having to pay more. Why not prevent this thing from exactly. going to receivership? Why not prevent any risk that could arise from another bank going into receivership? By the way, I'm also told that the governor of California is actively saying, please, not another bank, figure out a way yeah, to save he, this he's thing. In there. Gavin he's, Newsom doesn't want something lo- else going. He loves calls in, but maybe about the vendors, Steve. Yeah, maybe. Um, but this bears watching. Market cap here is virtually not, it's two and a half billion dollars. But impact on the markets, impact on the banking industry, it, it, is, it bears watching. And, and it's why a lot of and from what I understand after a number of conversations this morning with people who are involved, it is something where days, uh, you know, this is the moment, these next few days. Okay, so I like your idea about focusing on how forthcoming they are, because here we go. Deposit activity began to stabilize during the week of March 27th. To me, uh, I'm not getting that from my sources. Right. No, I mean, well, this may have been a couple of days. They had good. Right? Yeah, you had the thirty billion that went in from the from the bank. From but all why the banks. would you keep your Why would you keep your money with them? Why? And how come they lose money on everything? Because they made a lot of ba- they made a lot of loans at a certain point. It's not it was no fault of theirs really. There was nothing. No, I, look, I'm, no bad intent here. I, they just, just made agree- a lot of IO I, mortgage I'm loans in the Hamptons. Yeah. I'm just agreeing with you about the next few days being crucial. I, yeah. I, some people feel it's the next few months. Yeah. No, I don't no. think so. I agree not with you. The, not from the conversations I had this morning. I agree with you, which is why the futures they are would down like to get, otherwise good They morning. would like to get something done and, and done soon. The question is, how much pressure can you really put on these banks? You know, how heavy is your hand if you're if you're the treasurer? I come with a heavy or the heart White House. and a heavy hand, yeah. You got both Janney and City going to sell uh, this yeah. morning. Uh, Janney needs to pull off the mother of all pivots. I love to that. Survive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought that was true. When we come back, uh, lower costs helping Dow post that quarterly beat. Stock is moving lower, though. This we'll talk exclusively with the CEO. As Jim said, some of that uh, regional bank sentiment weighing a bit on futures, despite several uh, corporate beats and a few raising guides today. We're back in a moment. Dow shares, uh, you can see it off the lows this morning. That follows first quarter results. The uh, giant chemical company did beat estimates, did see declines, though, across its operating segments, citing slower global macroeconomic activity. Joining us now on CNBC Exclusive is Dow's chairman and CEO, Jim Fitterling. Jim, good to see you. It's been a little while. Let's just start off with your characterization of sort of the global economy, because it's an important one for people to hear. Um, You know, are things picking up, in your opinion? Good morning, David. Nice to be with you. We saw some sequential improvement first quarter over fourth quarter. Fourth quarter was a a quarter that really slowed at the end of the year. Um, We saw the demand increase through the first quarter, especially a strong March. We've also seen some positive signs in areas that had been a constraint in 2022, such as marine packed cargo for exports. China's opening up. Uh, we started to see China really move into the market. From February into March, you, you would start to see an increase there. Uh, North America is holding up uh, relatively well. We talk about the consumer strength here, but we see it in most sectors. I'd say the biggest weight on all of our businesses in the housing and in the construction area, and then the knock-on effect on durable goods, things like consumer electronics and appliances that that has. Europe is also a bit of a weight. I'd say the most negative outlook on GDP is in the European region, and and also Europe has moved into a high-cost position 
region in our industry, which has not historically been that case. But overall, I do feel like things are starting to move uh, in the positive direction. We, we got a little bit of pricing back in plastics uh, in the month of March. We've got some pricing nominations out in April. We're starting to see our input costs come down. And of course, we've got a billion dollars worth of self-help that we're going to deliver through this year. Yeah. Uh, specific to the Chinese market, I'm just curious, what are your expectations there as it sort of opens up? You know, what are you seeing on the ground, if you can bring us up to date right now, in terms of at least these last few weeks even? Well, I would say the consumer uh, is going to drive it. I, I haven't seen much move in China to stimulate the housing market, which we have seen in the past whenever they're trying to get the economy going. They have a very similar profile to what we see here in terms of year-over-year housing starts reduction, uh, whether it's multifamily homes, uh, you know, that's most of what they what's built in China. Um, Single-family homes, you're seeing year-over-year 30, 40 percent reductions. So, so I don't see that coming back yet. Uh, but I do see on on the consumer side of things, obviously in the luxury items, they've been relatively strong. But day-to-day items, uh, they continue to be strong as well. Think, think personal goods for your everyday use, uh, items at the grocery store. Uh, Apparel is starting to pick up a little bit, so polyester demand and, and clothing demand starting to pick up a little bit off of some low operating rates. And then EVs have been uh, growing pretty dramatically in, in China. I'd say that's the, the, the biggest ticket item that is really showing great growth and, and we see some of that here as well. Uh, Jim, it's great to see you as always, Jim Kramer here. I struggle here, Jim, because it, the uneven nature of the supply and demand is hard to grasp. Packaging and specialty plastic, improving domestic demand, which sounds good. Then industrial intermediates and infrastructure, demand remains resilient. But then you get to performance materials and coatings and demand for consumer electronics and industrial end markets softening. Can you just give us a a view about overall uh, supply and demand, just the basic way that we would if we were back in Act 10. Well, if you think about performance materials and coatings, well, if you think about consumer electronics, not that that's the, the biggest driver for that segment, but if you think about chips, uh, semiconductor chips, the, the biggest fall off has been on memory chips. And you think about what drives that. It's gaming devices, it is uh, TVs, it's those kind of devices. Uh, those have been become long, and of course the consumer now is spending more money on travel. And so they're taking their elective dollars, what they're not spending at the grocery store, they're spending it on travel, they might be spending it on an EV. Um, and so there's less to go around. And I would say until we start to see interest rates soften a little bit and start to see people get back into the housing market, you're not going to see the durable goods side pick up. So I, I would say durable goods is what's dragging the industrial economy down. Um, but on everyday items, you know, those parts of our, our business are continuing to look good. Um, in industrial intermediates, polyurethanes goes into home insulation, it goes into appliances, it goes into um, refrigerated storage and, and refrigerated trucking. Uh, those are all a little bit soft compared to last year. And I think it's gonna take a while before that housing market picks up. Well, I just went, one of the things, I, Jim, you mentioned that there is some self-help. Could you explain to people what exactly you're doing? Because you've been doing self-help. How much, the cost side here, a little bigger than I thought over the course of the last, say, since you came in. What's, what was left to cut out? 
Well, we have to to adjust, obviously, to the lower demand rates, which means we've got to bring operating rates down in some regions. Primarily, that has meant Europe. Uh, Europe operating rates are running about 10 percentage points lower than they are the rest of the world. In our cost advantage regions, in Canada, the United States, in Argentina, in the Middle East, uh, we're running at pretty high operating rates. So some adjustment needs to be made for that. We're taking about 500 uh, million out of structural costs. And then we're looking at, obviously, operational efficiency improvements and the rest. And some of that will be working capital as well. We've been doing a great job of managing inventories and keeping working capital in check. Um, and I think that we will continue to keep pressure on that until we see some really strong demand signals come through. All right. Well, we'll be watching closely for those strong demand signals as well. Jim, we've got to leave it there for today. But uh, it's good to see you. Thank you for taking the time. Always good to see you. Take care. Still to come this morning, got an exclusive with McDonald's' uh, Chris Kamchinski in the next hour. Higher prices, increased traffic contributing to the company's quarterly beat. In the meantime, futures a little subdued here as we uh, are in day two of this week-long uh, peak of earnings season. We're back in a moment. Let's get you a mad dash and then an opening bell about three minutes from now. Continued fallout from Bed Bath & Beyond's liquidation. Yeah, yeah uh, there's a very thoughtful piece by Bernstein today in light of the fact that, say, the great Peter Lynch talked about buying TJX, a chapel trust owns TJX. Target has so many stores, thanks to Bed Bath, and more than five stores. Six billion dollars up for grabs, okay? Six billion in sales up yeah. for grabs, essentially, from, right, the but fact that Bed Bath will no longer be operating. This piece says, don't be so quick to buy them, because initially you're going to have a downdraft. And it does remind me, when you saw Sports Authority uh, liquidate, you had a downdraft in Dix, but then you had just an upward trajectory that you, you had to buy the downdraft. So understand that YTGX could be down after this, even though you think they're going to be the biggest uh, beneficiary. It's because you're going to have some softness because of the stuff's being dumped in the channel. So let's, uh, I am excited about TJX, but I'm tempering my expectations. I have a call today with club members. Uh, and I have to tell you, I, I think it's a great opportunity, but I also recognize that it can't go up immediately. You would think it would after its competitor dumps a lot of stuff to them, too. Yeah. I always think it's worth mentioning TJX is far larger than Target market cap-wise, or far, 15 billion larger, 90 billion to 75 billion. So it's a bigger company, TJX, it's, it, uh, than people perhaps realize, I'm given its profile, as, as we always say, relatively low. You know why? They're the least promotional. Yeah, they don't they, talk. They did these conference calls. You never hear them other than at the conference call. And the conference call is very tight. Right. So do they do themselves a, a disservice? And they just say, look, you know, look at the numbers is what they say. Look at the numbers. The numbers are darn good. But short term, I understand now, I was puzzled about how they could not be a huge winner. They will be a winner. But right now, the liquidation sucks oxygen out of the market, according to Bernstein. It's pretty... I hate that term, but yeah, you don't want oxygen being sucked no. out of anything. No, no. Uh, keep the oxygen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's Toto. It's what? Turn off the oxygen. Oh. Toto. <laughs> Overall, Jim, we had about 60 earnings this morning. Uh, thanks, bespoke. Uh, EPS beat rates about 77. Right. Uh, that's relatively high. You got five raising guidance, two lowering guidance. Still waiting for any kind of earnings apocalypse? Yeah, I, not seeing it. I think that the market is regarding some things too negatively. GM up a dollar and a half initially. I listened to Phil LeBeau's interview. I, I, I don't know if I want to sell that. I think that they've managed to, to a lot of people are trying to straddle. Uh, internal combustion engines, straddle versus EV. I don't know. I mean, Verizon was not good. First Republic. 
David told, told the story better than anyone could. And it's the overhead. Yeah. Let's get to the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange and the big board. A COVID's investment group celebrating the recent listing of its core equity ETF at the NASDAQ. Guiding eyes for the blind. A provider of guide dogs to people with vision loss. As uh, we settle in here for the morning at around 41.37. Uh, Dow opening up 21, let's say. Dow down 36. You mentioned GM, Adam Jonas, with his reaction, and that is that Q1's annualizing to about $9 of EPS, uh, but it would be closer to 11 if not for Cruise and EV. Well, right? They're they having to, to make those tough choices, they have as you to said. Invest. They have to invest. But let me just say how hard today is. PepsiCo is up 3.5 when they reported the number. And then I went through the conference call, through the, uh, what the company has to say is very strong. And yet it's only up $1.30. And that is strictly because of the market, not because of anything PepsiCo. PepsiCo did good. Was it as good as Coca-Cola? I don't know. I could argue that these companies don't. They raise prices and nobody stops eating snacks. And uh, although Hugh Johnson did say that they've gone to us, to, he told me something very interesting. He said, there are some people who might have gone to Walmart who are now going to Dollar Tree or to the dollar stores. And, you know, Carl, we got a strong economy. So that is a little surprising to me. Uh, as long as employment goes up, you would think that Walmart's the winner. But I look, I see things that people people want to be more negative than it should be. Uh, well, check out KMB. Um, they beat by a penny. They raised the adjusted EPS guide. Gross margins up 340 basis points, right? Because input inflation is slowing faster than consumer inflation. And that's, that's what Proctor said. I think you could listen to what Jim Fitterling said, put it all together, and realize that the price, that they've been raising price and raising price, like Proctor. And finally, they've raised prices, and the raw costs are not going up. So Kimberly can hit a 50... And, 52-week high, even though it's so hated by the analysts. It's just incredible. Uh, Whirlpool, same thing. Whirlpool, I mean, yeah. You know, last night, I know last night was a year ago, but uh, look, I, I think that that, that Mark uh, Blitzer, he, he's telling a good story. Blitzer's going to be on tonight, and I've been waiting for this quarter for a long time. Um, PHM, you could throw in there as well. Uh, closing's up six. ASP's up nine. A billion to the buyback. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. Mean, Jim, it, I, this is... This is the anti-recession chart. Well, I mean, you know, look at the housing supposed to go down here. I mean, David, the right. reason why a lot of people confuse the best acting portfolio right now would be a group of housing stocks during a period when mortgage rates are soaring. Now, what is that? It's, it's a housing Tell it's me. Housing, tell me what that is. It's a housing shortage. And a lot of you just can't build as much as that. Well, you look at these. I had Lenar on uh, 10 days ago. It was at 102. Invitation homes. Oh, Jesus! Send me an invitation to your funeral if you're short these stocks. <laughs> you love that. They I have. do. Well, that was the great Jim Fist said it. I mean, yeah. They have moved up. All right, I got one for you guys that we haven't what? mentioned at all. What? Up 10 percent. What? Spotify. Spotify. Well, the, the signups are dramatically better. Um, their engagement was, it's never been higher. 545 um, million. The, million give me the number. Five what? 545 versus 501 expectations. Right, in terms of? Uh, average users. Monthly average users. Monthly it's average gigantic. users. They also are raising the prospect of, of uh, future price increases, right. which is encouraging people because, of course, that's sort of what they set up for, not necessarily in the U.S., but other parts, because the average price is still in the fours right. that people pay. I pay 15 bucks a month, but I guess a lot of people don't. Um, and so very much encouraging. Uh, advertising, obviously, not as strong, perhaps, right. but strong. I mean, not a strong market, but an important component for them still in terms of percent of revenue, right around where it has been. Well, I mean, let's say you uh, have a command of a lot of people. You're winning, say, four out of ten nights on TV. And then suddenly you don't have a show. Would you think about going to Spotify? 
I don't know. Good answer. I don't know. <laughs> Good maybe, answer. Maybe it was you actually, would. I was leading the witness. Yeah, no. I, didn't I mean, especially when you're still getting paid on your old deal. Well, you know what? You know, you can sort and, of and test the waters. And you renewed in 21. And you renewed in 21. <laughs> I just think the platform is much bigger than people All right, I'm out of here. I'll admit <laughs> no, it. I'll see you, you guys. No, it's no, not the platform, I'm, 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 I'm talking about Tucker Carlson. I yeah. think if you do go, and I, I don't know him personally, he's not a fan of my work, but I don't know okay. if is Daniel paying personally. up for, for podcasts anymore. I mean, I'm not sure they are, right? Well, I just think if you have a core audience, I mean, Emma Chamberlain you. and Joe Rogan, yeah, but look, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is one of the most powerful people in the media, and when he does a boneyard story, I'm listening. <laughs> you know, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg goes on Joe Rogan. Uh, Elon Musk has as well. Yeah. And these a, MAU numbers, by the way, biggest ever Q1 growth uh, for MAUs at Spot. Second biggest quarterly growth ever. I, That's amazing. No, I think it was everyone is scared of media. Well, maybe you ought to be thinking about this as a very disruptive force. We thought it originally when it came public. And then it kind of lost its way. But now it's really bad. Very impressive. Uh, Jim, we mentioned MCD. A lot of the comps are impressive. 12.6 globally, 12.6 U.S. Um, Stock's down a bit. There were some questions about EBIT margins. Right, uh, but we're going to talk to uh, Chris in the next hour. I thought with with forty percent digital, the EBIT margins would be uh, better. But uh, you know, look at this stock. I mean, this stock has been a a halo. It's just drawn money, drawn money, drawn money. I think this is just classic uh, sell off, profit taking. I know that term gets used too much, but. Well, this thing's been a horse, and what they did deliver was a little better than expected, and I'll take that any day of the week. This one's a buy after it shakes out. I mean, it's kind of like GE. GE was up three, then up two, then up one, and now look, GE looks like unchanged. I mean, that's, give me a break. I mean, I, I, think, I think the most exciting story in terms of just prurient interest is not the um, Spotify. I just, I like that. It's Raytheon. Raytheon. Because you've got a company where the CEO can't go to China. But the Chinese orders are good. And by the way, in terms of air cover of, of, United, of Ukraine, so many people have told me, listen, the Russians are going to have air superiority. Good luck. The Patriot missiles are there, four batteries. They can take care of the airspace between Crimea. So Greg yeah. Hayes is not allowed in China. No, he himself. Right. Uh, because is that recent? Because, That's a fairly yeah, recent because ban, they have, right? In they terms have of defense. the back and forth yeah. with our defense, with, with our competition with defense. In China. Uh, but Lockheed as well is, is among those Yes. Sanctions. I mean, right. and I think that what's interesting is James Takelet delivered just a monster good quarter. Uh, should Raytheon be At down? Lock, Lockheed you're talking Lockheed, about. Yeah. Jim should Takelet. Raytheon be down? I, I, look, it's better than expected. I mean, you mentioned so far this plus 7% better than expected. We're seeing a lot of companies whose stocks were reflecting better than expected, and they're giving you better than expected. And then you're getting a UPS where you did kind of hope that there, that there would be good e-commerce, and then it just looks like e-commerce has slowed. I question that. I, I just didn't see e-commerce slow. But we'll know from Amazon. Uh, I was going to ask you about Microsoft tonight, which is off 10 bucks in the last uh, six sessions well, or so. I, th- I think it's reflecting the fact that a lot of people got very excited about AI, which, by the way, NVIDIA put out some guardrail rules today. We have to dig deeper on that. People should get excited about AI. I mean, well, it's but, all everybody wants to talk about, and it's, well, but you, it's a real moment. But will you a doubt. leap through a possible data center slowdown and Azure slowdown to be an AI? That's what people worry right. about. I mean, but AI is going to require an enormous amount of computing power. 
True, which is why and I so like it. So it may reverse what you're talking about, those slowdowns that you're talking oh, about may saying, not actually occur as much as they might have. A long-term investor is going to be very excited and look through any Azure slowdown. But if Azure slows down, which is, of course, we know their web services. We know Amazon and, Web Services And slow. Amazon yes. slows. The growth is what we're talking and about. The growth slows. slows. The growth slows. Yes. And I think people might just say, you know what, I can't look through it. It's too hard for me. I, look, I just think that I think AI is incredibly exciting. You should look right through it. My Chapel Trust owns Microsoft. I, if this thing get, just gets clobbered, just buy it. Well, speaking of it, we should get some commentary about it from Alphabet when it reports the quarter. That I'm worried about. Um, yeah, still perhaps for in, good reason. They're still living in la-la land. I mean, they don't even, What does that mean? Well, like, they have a lot of different... Like, how's Fitbit doing? How about I, Waymo? I, I don't how's know. their healthcare business? Waymo, apparently, they've got a lot of cars driving around San Francisco yeah, without drivers, which is starting to get on people's nerves. Look, that's like the U.S. But, government budget. You know, it's like, well, what are they doing with this program and that program? Well, we've they, made the point before. They've but, spent... I mean, they've spent an enormous amount of money, and it's not clear what return they've gotten. Meanwhile, they're... Monopoly in search seems right. to be now under threat. Right, because of Bing. But you know what? This is a good example. They got the football package, right? Mm-hmm. But they have so much going on, they don't even hear about it. They have to become a, they have to challenge themselves. They have to say, you know what? We are not a healthcare company uh, and a Fitbit company. We're not a Wayne. We're something. And we're going to beat, uh, and come on, bring all comers, Microsoft. But they are right now a bloated, overhired COVID company versus Chainsaw. Yeah, and also not run by their founder who's, no. you know, who's driven like a Zuckerberg uh, or a Musk Chainsaw. who just will stop at nothing, potentially. Well, that's why I'm calling Chainsaw. You're not picking up on it. Chainsaw. Zuckerberg. That's where they all talk. Yeah. Well, Everybody calls him. There was a guy we used to call Chainsaw. No, that guy was dishonest. No, that guy was dishonest. Zuckerberg is just incredible in terms of his transparency and honesty. Is that a and new I, nickname you've come up with for Zuckerberg? I got to come up. What do you want me to call him? Uh, I don't know. Bandsaw. Um, no. I mean, I don't know. Hatchet. Yesterday, uh, B of A was trying to, the desk was asking whether or not the OPEX layoff trade is getting old or getting thin. After all these months, well, I mean, you think look, there's more there on selective I mean, look, Today, I mean, you have every great quarter and the stocks are going down. So uh, I would say you don't count on it. The winner today is one that I think Dave is going to find hilarious. It's T-Mobile. T-Mobile. Yeah. It's up? just incredible. Well, at and is in the green now, too. It's, after. Just, are they just share donors at this point, David? At AT&T and Verizon? Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Um, Verizon, though, shares are really not down very much, 0.38% right now. Right. Down a little right. over 6% for the year, though. Uh, AT&T now down 4.3% for the year, of course, uh, after what was a horrendous week last week. Um, you can take a look. It is up uh, this morning. But to your point, T-Mobile, once again, the winner, $180 billion market value, well above the corresponding market value of Verizon at $155 billion or AT&T at $125 billion. Better I would like to track. point that out just because over time, these things happen. These enormous shifts occur, and sometimes we can lose sight of them. But um, Hey, how about Mike Rome? Wait, Mike, Rome, do, do, Mike the, who? Mike Rome at 3M? What the, about the, him? Well, the, the, we talked the, about the, him already. The, no, but the, 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 the stock's up. Oh. Yeah. I sound like... My God, you sound like a Warner Brothers. You really, you did hit a very high note there. Well, no, because I want 3M to do better. It's a great American company. Yeah. And I want them to be able to put the the groundwater and uh, put combat arms in the the past. I'm I'm sure they would like to as well. They share my desire. Um, First crack above the 50 days since January. Yes, I think it's worth noting. I mean, that is a dividend aristocrat. 
Uh, a lot of people still own it, David. Yields 5.6. Yep. Wouldn't that be good if it went up? It would be, sure. And it is up right now. Well, but it hasn't been it. over time at all. Although Kathy um, Wood this morning uh, looks at 3M's organic local currency, uh, down five, six. Okay. At, Asia is a big part of that. But her, her, yeah. she, her, it's, she uses it to say, when will the Fed uh, and economists start responding to the real world? Well, I think it's an interesting question because uh, if you're anyone in the companies I talked with this morning, the answer is they still have tremendous wage inflation. Until you don't have wage inflation, I think that that's when the Fed's done. Uh, it's just very hard to find engineers, very hard to find pilots, very hard to find skilled players because so many people between the age of 58 and 62 saw that there was more to life. How about the fact, you know, when you have Jim Fitterling on from Dow Chemical and he's saying that his numbers weren't as good, David, because of travel. Yeah. Because people aren't spending as much on devices. Because people for, know that, that require long, silicone no, for their chips. Money and but, short on time. Yeah, they're not buying things because they got to see the world before they die. There, oh, I said it. Yeah, you well, did. Well, we did get JetBlue. You short. had love last time night. Is short. I like, you know, look, I I came out thinking that Southwest. I mean, I know that it's very challenging. It's very challenging, and it's not done going down necessarily, and they have so many. Look, they're still going point to point. They think it's good, but they have had so many issues. They're adding more and more to spending on tech, but they need pilots. They they need everybody. They they need everyone. David. They need everyone. They need everyone. A um, couple of things I wanted to quickly hit. Endeavor Group is up about 2.5%. Remember Nick Boletari? Remember that the Academy? Remember that thing, IMG Academy? They've sold it. They owned it. They sold it for $1.25 billion to a private equity firm, all-cash deal. Um, the big deal here, of course, was a few weeks ago when they did that. Well, they announced their intent to uh, obviously spin out um, UFC into WWE, creating a new company of which Endeavor will be the control uh, holder, 51%. Um, but there's a lot of other value there, at least. If you're talking Ari Emanuel, he'd tell you that, and this is a, a sign of that. He would. Being able to sell this asset for $1.25 billion in cash. He would tell you that. Don't you think he would tell you that? Uh, you think he'd tell are, you that about seven different ways? They, they are my agent. Um, there are, are phone calls. Yes. With an area code. You think he, he would call or text or send a carrier pigeon? Uh, I think all of those. With the message? All of those are above. Um, I'm waiting for, for a market, if I had a house phone, to be like, hey, he's on, Ari's on the line. But the <laughs> Oh, okay, Lisa. All right, I'll be right there. Uh, market is responding up, uh, up a little over three percent. Guys, it is. We got. We should come back. You went to, back uh, to First Republic. Yeah, we should come Go back ahead. to First Republic. Stocks down about twenty nine percent, as as we discussed earlier, of course, and has been made clear to me at least by people who are um, involved. These next few days could be crucial for the bank as it tries to really get itself on sounder footing. The effort underway. Um, it's unclear exactly how much momentum is behind it, Would be is led by Treasury, White House, Fed involved as well, sort of trying to put together a plan under which those big banks that came to its aid with those that deposit back on the 16th of March, remember, of $30 billion, would now uh, yet again come in some fashion to take loans off its balance sheet, pay a premium for them, at least where they would be marked in the marketplace allowing the balance sheet to repair to a certain extent and then allow First Republic to go out and raise additional equity. Will that plan come together or some other plan that, again, would put the balance sheet in a better better place? 
very much unclear. Okay, unclear so what motivates those banks to do that other than the long hand of the government and unclear how heavy the government wants to be in putting that hand on the shoulder of the big banks in order for them to step up. So we'll simply have to wait and see. We'll be covering it, of course, and sharing any details we get along the way. What does it say that they didn't have something lined up before they reported this quarter? Say that again. That they Jim. didn't have anything lined up before they reported this quarter, where they really rely on the idea that they've had a, they've had deposit inflows over a quarter, maybe a, how many days in, in March? 30 days has September, April, June, and November. Yes, yeah, So they got four days, because yeah. they said March 27th. You know, if it was a, you know, if it was like, February. You know, I do Ooh. think that they, yeah, there have been, they've been trying to sort of pursue this effort in well, some Tom way. Barrett making a lot of phone calls. He is. Um, More than they've got, they've got bankers working for them. They've got, you know, the government obviously is paying attention. But again, I'll come back to you. If this were to go into receivership at the FDIC, uh, assessments might go up for many of the big right. banks. There might, there obviously would be a risk. You bring it back into the four of the marketplaces psychology, but is it systemic? No. No, it's small. Uh, I think that it's very easy for Treasury to say, listen, uh, we're going to guarantee your deposit. And and we've been talking about this possibility now, Jim, for uh, a month and a half. I know. I mean, look, what is the haircut that they're going to have? I don't know. We could sit here and say, you know what, this is a run at the bank. We should all be scared. Or we can say, hey, no kidding. How about no kidding? How about the fact that most of the regionals reported that they had sticky deposits? I wasn't worried about any other regional when this was over. But we just had a week of bank earnings. Yep. And two weeks, of, well, we also had big earnings. And I just feel like that it went through okay. Not a lot of growth. The Fed should be looking at the lack of growth in loans versus the inflationary scenario. And it might be even. It might be a push. So they could push us over if they did more than one quarter. Sure. Well, we've already got um, Goldman trying to quantify how many points it'll take away from GDP, any kind of contraction in lending because of this. Interesting, yeah. because that's the right thing, because commercial real estate, everybody just, they, the first thing they say is, hi, my name is, I don't do any commercial real estate, and we, oh, right. But then you should but say who your name is. These guys had, a, a First Public had a great business, and it's certainly, you would expect some of the banks that might be asked to come to its aid here would be very happy to take some of that business, and have been. Right. Wealth advisors and the like as well. It's not just them making mortgages. They have a wealth. They have a wealth advisory uh, unit with you know some very high uh, high earners and a lot of assets that have been moving out of the bank as well. Right. Yeah. It's just no franchise can survive. And again, it's a deposit outflow. It's, it's an unfortunate situation can't. that was not necessarily of their own making. Certainly nothing. Very good. Hey, good analysis. Good enough. What am I? Yeah, no, I hear you. Good enough. Always, always good to get a good. Fabulous announcement. Well, it's even better to get a fabulous. I'll take <laughs> Best it. In show. Great inflation right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the eco data today definitely taking a backseat to corporate results, but uh, Philly Fed down 22.8, uh, worst a month on month since December of 2020. Look at bonds today. You'll see the two year trying to hold four, uh, 10 year uh, back to three, four or so. We'll get consumer confidence in new homes in about 12 minutes. S&P down to 41.13 this morning. Uh, Dow's off about 60. Uh, this morning, B of A takes a look at the top gainers of the year, Jim. Um, you got to get to number 10, Visa, before it's a non-tech company. And the top five make up 67% of the points here to date. And how's yes. my friends in NVIDIA doing? <laughs> They're way up there. Unbelievable. They just put out some open source toolkit. Developers use to add topical safety and security features. David, that's what you've been looking for. Mm. I'm sure it'll make all the difference. Oh. We'll take a break. Be back in a moment. 
Jim, what's on Mad tonight? Two stocks that are down very badly that could be very interesting. Palo Alto, Nikesh Arora, I think he's crushing it. And then Whirlpool. I mean, honestly, it's a good quarter. Look, I think you have to make soda or you have to make tissue to be up in this market. It's definitely yeah, not rewarding some clean beats. No, we'll see not you tonight. At all. Thank you. Uh, Mad Money, of course, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When we come back, an exclusive with the CEO of McDonald's, Chris Kemchinski, when we return. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer.